Hey now, <laughs> fastest growing surf podcast in North America worldwide. Midlife surfer, midlife surfer, midlife surfer. What's going on? How are you? I'm so glad you joined me again. This is incredible. You know, we have 164 listeners to Midlife Surfer. Well, I don't know if we have 164 listeners, but we had 164 downloads to Midlife Surfer to those measly three episodes I put up. That's pretty cool. I think that's pretty damn cool. Um, thank you for listening to episode three. This is Midlife Surfer. My name is Jeff. I had a friend call me and listen to the podcast a couple times, and he said, I need to reintroduce myself. He works in radio. He works in a pretty big market. And um, <clears throat> he's not my producer, Adam Montiel. He's another guy. He's a nice guy. He works in sports talk radio. And he says, I need to reintroduce myself more, which which I agree with. The thing about podcast is, you know, you kind of get to know someone through the episodes, through the weekly episodes. You don't necessarily need to, you know, I don't really need to hear about you know, Joe Rogan again and what his background is, it'll bleed through through the episodes, which is the intent of this. But my mind is fried right now. It's very early in the morning. It's about 5.15 before I get off to work. I wanted to um, get episode four down. Need to put something up once a week, once every two weeks. Anyway, I'm Jeff. I'm late, late, late 30s. And I surf. I started surfing about seven years ago. Yeah, 2013. I started surfing. I went down and um, my wife's from a beach town, Morro Bay, Cayucas area. And I went out with my father-in-law on an eight-foot wave storm that I rented from a local surf shop down there. And just ate shit. Just had it all handed to me. And that was, I think, uh, December of 2013. And a couple days later, we went back home to Santa Cruz and where I live. And, you know, it was New Year's Day, I want to say. And we're walking 38th Avenue, the hook, and just seeing longboarders and just hundreds of surfers. <laughs> Way too crowded. Now I'd look at that and not want to go out. But I'm thinking, you know, I could do that once a month. I should go get a, a foam top board. Hell, I live in Santa Cruz. In fact, my son is going to be born, both of my boys, are going to be born and raised in Santa Cruz. This is their hometown. So I had just moved here and I thought, every kid, it's probably a rite of passage that you surf in Santa Cruz. It's just, it's just how it goes. Since then, of course, I've learned that's not necessarily the case. And my boy likes shooting hoops more than he ever talks about getting in the water, which is, which is totally fine. But that was my excuse to go get a board. I had no idea how addictive it would be. No idea. I used to say, you know, if I got out once a month, <clears throat> it'd be a fun recreational activity, you know? I didn't know you'd be thinking about surfboards nonstop, thinking about surfing nonstop. Nonstop's an overstatement, but you think about it a lot. So, since then, I've surfed. I, on average, I get out about once a week on average, maybe one and a half times a week if you were to really average out my sessions. We're sheltering in place now and I'm really starting to question whether it's the responsible thing to do. It's not the responsible thing to do if you're going somewhere where it's crowded. You know, if you're going to float out there at the hook with, you know, 17 other <clears throat> people, I don't think it's responsible. You're out in big, a parking lot. There are crowds. But if you drive north, 
You drive south, you go to some of these beaches where I don't know if you could self-isolate any better than going out to, say, Waddell Creek. You know, you park your car, no one's around you. You're hiking really fast down the freeway as cars whiz by you. <laughs> you get out on that beach and it's, you're not, forget six feet. I mean, there's no one within 100 feet, 200 feet of you. So it's hit or miss. I think in Southern California, right now you can't go surfing, which is, uh, which is wild. And, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense with this coronavirus now. And in Santa Cruz, they have yet to, I don't, they have yet to close the beaches. They've closed all the recreational parking lots. They haven't closed the beaches yet. It's, um, it's addictive. You want to get your fix and you want to improve. One thing I totally underrated about surfing was the amount of boards that I would want, the amount of boards that, uh, I would buy through the years and resell. <laughs> it never ends. It's a lot like golf. It reminds me of golf in that it's it's fleeting. You know, you find you get a wave and you think you figured it out for a minute. You get a nice shot from the tee box, you think you figured it out. You score 40 on the front nine and and you're just you got swagger on the back nine, you're ready to get your Tiger Woods game face on, get that red shirt killer killer mindset and claim 38 on the back and really have a proper score and then you score 55. It's just one of those freaking things, man. Surfing can humble the hell out of you. <clears throat> and it's incredibly challenging. And when I say I'm not good, like, I, I mean it. I'm not that good. Like, not that good. I mean, I'm not good. You know, I think if you just started surfing, maybe, you know, you surf two or three years or something, you, you, you may think that yeah, I'm better than you. And I probably, I guess I am. I don't even know what better than you means. I mean, I could paddle, I could duck dive, I could read waves decently. I've gotten my ass handed to me on some big stuff. But um, long way to go. That's all I'm trying to say. Long way to go. So that's my story. I'm not a shaper. I don't have um, any soft goods. I don't have a cool surf brand to sell to a surf, to a surf shop. Again, I work in a, a construction trade. And um, I really enjoy that job. Unfortunately, things have slowed down now with the shelter in place. It's a trip. Um, I work in a sales capacity. So, so now it's... I get paid to be in front of people and I cannot be in front of people right now. So I'm just, uh, we're just hustling. It's hustle time. Get on the phones, pound those emails, stay in front of your customers. So spend more time thinking about that than I do surfboards lately. But I did wake up at five to come in my office to record this for you because I want to say hi to you. The shutdown's weird. Yeah. So to put a, a bow on, on things, um, in regard to my intro, and forgive the rambling, I'm at the 6.43 mark already. Um, I wanted to contribute to surfing. I want to be a part of the scene. I don't know. I, you know, I'm a scroller of Craigslist. <laughs> I've purchased so many boards off Craigslist. I've talked to many, many shapers. You know, I read online. Uh, I talk to other surfers. You know, I do some ding repair on my own, which is, which is fun. It's a nice way to spend a Saturday afternoon. But I wanted to give to the culture of surfing. I wanted to be a part of it. So here I am. I have a damn podcast. And if it stops day, I'd be proud because I got four of them up there. And I got 164 listeners, mofo. So, or downloads, that is. That's pretty cool. If you're listening, check me out. Shoot me an email at jeff at midlifesurfer.com. Even if you just want to give me, I don't know, your quiver. You know, what boards do you surf a lot? What boards do you like to surf? That'd be pretty rad. <clears throat> I'll check them out. We could talk about it. This shutdown, oh my God, this shutdown. It's, is it driving you nuts? Do you have kids? Are you married? 
we've kept the peace in our house for the most part. We really have. Things have been going, you know, all things considered, they've been going fine. And I can't complain. I, I, I live in an area in which there's a lot worse areas to be uh, stuck inside. A lot worse neighborhoods. But boy, it has a mental aspect to it that is, it's kind of hard to articulate. Even a bright, sunny day, you look outside, you walk around your neighborhood, you feel like, you kind of feel like you're imprisoned in a way. Maybe that doesn't do that word justice. But you feel trapped. It's depressing. Everybody's trapped. I want my kids to see my parents. I don't want my kids to see my wife's parents. For them. I don't want my kids to carry some corona and get my parents sick or my in-laws. I just break my heart. The shutdown is weird. There are some aspects that I think we will miss. I will miss. One is the time that you spend with your kids. It is so corny to say this, but it's so true. My boy and I, I have a six-year-old boy. We went for a walk yesterday in the neighborhood. We walked the loop two times. We did our little walk. The entire time we brainstormed about an April Fool's joke that we were going to play on my wife. And here's what I proposed and, and, and Joe added to it. We, comp- we, we, um, we decided that we were going to tell them that we saw, well, we did see a sheriff race down our street right before we hopped on the walk. What they're in, town, in our neighborhood for, I don't know. I think there's a brush fire or something. But I figured, now we should use that sheriff driving by, screaming past our house in that story because there is a point of fact. And it's about 6 p.m. Wednesday night. And we start walking and we start talking about what we're going to do for April Fool's to mommy. It's just an idea, you know. And, and so my point is no one's played any April Fool's jokes on each other all day. It's just had them in the worst April Fool's season ever. I mean, who was in the damn mood for an April Fool's joke? But anyway, what I came up with was that a mountain lion killed a deer, dragged it into a neighbor's pool. And, uh, you know, you could see into this, the neighbor's backyard and the pool was blood red. And there were just uh, bits of uh, deer carcass floating around in the pool. Joe liked that. I thought that was pretty funny. We sold it to my wife. She bought it hook, line, and sinker. And Joe had to add a couple other items in there that didn't really make sense. But it made her laugh nonetheless. She, she bought it. We said April Fool's, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that two, that hour-long walk my, my boy and I had with the dog. You know, there's some moments there that you can relate to. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure there are some things that you are doing right now as we worry about money, as I worry about work, as I worry about health, you worry about the world. What the hell is going on? But you do have some moments with your kids, maybe with your husband or your wife, that are, uh, that are precious. And I do think, it's weird to say, but I think when this shutdown stops, when we're allowed to be free again, we may look back on this era fondly, or moments of it. I don't know. I'd like to think that. So surfing during the, short, the, the shutdown, as I said, I, I think the issue is the beachgoer and not, a, not the solo surfer. I went surfing twice last weekend. And before you judge me, think I'm irresponsible, I want you to know the surfing that I did, where I went, I'm so much more far away from people than you walking your stupid dog around the neighborhood and being judgmental about me driving 30 miles north to go surfing on a on a freaking empty beach. Yeah. Anyway, you should know that. Saturday morning, I had a nice 
growth day, I think, as a surfer. Just as I, well, I went to, I went to a desolate beach Sunday. I actually went to Pleasure Point on Saturday, but not many people were around and I kept my damn distance. Believe me, there is, if you walk or if you go for a walk around your neighborhood, you are putting me at more risk than if I went surfing at Pleasure Point, especially this spot called Rockview. Is it kooky that I'm naming this spot? I don't think so. It's a pretty popular spot, I think. Not many people were there, though. Now, this is a wave I would never look at. But I went surfing with my buddy Jason. I'm going to have Jason on the podcast. Jason, if you recall, episode one was the one who, um, his leash broke in six, seven, eight foot surf over at Manresa. He loves, he likes charging big waves. And I like surfing with him, too, because he, he pushes the boundaries of my abilities. And this was a great example. Rockview is a wave that lurches up. <laughs> When you see it coming, it lurches and it throws, man. And you got to turn on it and pop the fuck up and get down the face and get down the line quick. There's no longboarding out there. You can't do it. On, well, you probably could do it on your, your my 710 egg. But you need a shortboard. And you need to be taken off right under the lip. So we put together a surf session early <clears throat> early in the morning. And um, he said, how about rock you? It's cool. I'll see you there. Never surfed Rocky View before. Am I nervous? Hell yeah, I'm nervous. But I do have this notion, this story in the back of my mind from another friend I have named Jason who had the best wave of his life at Rockview. Jason and I are of similar abilities. So, you know, I think he's, um, you just got to have some balls. You just got to commit. You got to put your head down, paddle hard, paddle with intention. So as I paddled out there, there's a nice channel between this wave. Right now it's peeling right, throwing right. What's nice about this place is you could paddle into a channel where if if shit gets big and you get freaked out, you just paddle to the right side of the shoulder there. There's a nice channel. A channel, of course, is a... It's basically where waves aren't breaking. It's where the water is flushing back out to sea. It finds its path back out to the to the ocean after the wave has crashed because you know that way that water's got to go somewhere right so wave crashes where's that water going to go after it reaches the shoreline well it turns around and goes back to this channel where i find safe harbor so long story short we went out to rockview um it was me my buddy jason just one other guy on a fish there's two other more advanced surfers up up i don't know 20 yards in front of us we hung out on the inside and shoot, I brought my, my stretch 6.8, the it model. I still don't know about this board. I haven't, ugh, I haven't wrapped my arms around it and kissed it and said, God, I got a great wave on this board. Finally, this was the best wave I received on this board though, even though it wasn't a great ride. You know, Jason says, here's the spot. It's lined up right here. You need to be right at the energy, right where it's about to break. And he said, you know, when you paddle, you need to paddle hard. And when you pop up, put your front foot stomp on that. I mean, get that weight forward momentum all the way. It's not like a nice little longboard or something where you slide down the face at your own leisure. That's the kind of surfing <laughs> I like. Now, this is, well, this is surfing's fun too, but you need to stomp on that. It reminds me of dropping into a bowl if you ever skateboarded. You know, you drop into a bowl. There's no half-assing it. You got to bend your knees. You got to lean forward and you got to go. And so that's what I tried to do. Jason popped up, caught a nice wave. These things were probably chest high, head high, but they build up and they throw. Not, there's no amateurs out there. I mean, it's not the most critical wave, 
It's a nice group. It's people who take it seriously, get out of your way, not snaking you. A more, um, um, oh, what's the word? I don't want to say advanced, but just a little more etiquette out there, I've noticed, when it comes to more <clears throat> critical spots. I'm tired as I sip my coffee. I'm sorry. I'll rush through this here. <laughs> Why am I doing a podcast and then you're rushing through the stories? Anyway, so yeah, I got out to Rockview. I took the stretch, 6'8". First wave I tried to go for, um, I paddle, 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 paddle. The wave just kind of went past me. I wasn't inside enough. You got to be inside on these waves. You got to be right before they're, right when they cup and they're about to explode on your dome. You got to turn and burn, pop up and go. Jason caught two, three before then. So I'd whiffed on a couple. I think I probably pushed out on a couple too, but I did feel good. I felt like, all right, I'm getting my sea legs here. I'm going to catch one of these mofos. I wasn't trying to fool myself. I knew I knew I had one in me. Sure enough, a nice probably head high wave came coming through. Well, what preceded that was funny. There was a couple that broke way outside. It's like, oh, fuck, here comes my duck diving skills or lack thereof. And me and this dude with dreadlocks, he had like this kind of tan looking cool fish, probably 5'10", 5'8", fish. Wasn't that great of a surfer, but he looked cool. Handsome fella. He had nice dreadlocks and he had a face like uh, Kelly Slater. Look, if someone's handsome, I'll say it. I'm not, you know. Couldn't stop staring at him. No, just kidding. Um, So anyway, outside, waves are coming. Two of them. Explodes probably, I don't know, 10 feet in front of me. A little too close for comfort. Man, I took that stretch and I stuffed it underwater. I took my foot. I kicked it just like old William Rydell told me to do. Kicked it down 45 degrees. Even it out. Pop back up 30 degrees. Get that nose underwater 30 degrees just like Bill Rydell, episode two, described. And I got out the back of the wave. I popped up. It's like, that wasn't that bad. Here comes another. Hold on. Hold the fuck onto your board. Don't let go of that board. That's, that's one of my challenges. This, this board has grab rails on it, so there's some indentation on the side of the rails where your thumbs can fit right into the groove to help you hold onto the board. Get rocked a little bit. My legs probably lose contact with the board now. I'm kind of flopping like a dolphin trying just to flop through the back. I popped up, and there's, there's a handsome dude with dreadlocks next to me. We're right neck and neck, so fuck. I duck dive just fine, I guess. I made it. What was funny was after you, I went under that second wave, it was kind of cloudy when I woke up. Woke up. Shit. I'm hardly awake right now. When I popped back up out the back of the wave, the sun was out. So I looked at the guy and I just said, by the way, 10 feet, 12 feet away from each other. We're keeping our distance socially. Actually, physically, we're keeping our distance socially. I was trying to be friendly. I said, that's funny. I ducked over that wave. It was cloudy. I popped up and the sun's out. He kind of laughed. And as I said that, here comes a wave right now with my name on it, right at me. Now I'm making ca- casual conversation lineup. You know, I got to catch this freaking wave. I got to nail this drop. It's on my stretch. I haven't taken a nice wave on my stretch before, really. I don't know why. Just I'm not vibing with it yet. I'll talk about that later, I reckon. But I turn, head down. <laughs> four, five, six, nice deep strokes. Not pro. You know, I didn't cork the board and then just, you know, let go of the board where it kind of corks, then two little damn near no paddle takeoffs and then I'm up. No. But the wave picked me up. You feel that beautiful feeling. I popped my feet. My key is to get my front left knee right under my chest. If I can get my foot up front and low as fast as possible, I know 
I'm, I got a nice pop-up coming. And sure as shit, pick me up, slow, slid fast down the face of the wave. And, uh, you know, you're going so fast, you don't have time to think. Stayed low, kept my balance, did a, a, what I like to call a bottom turn, kind of bottom turned it. And that wave just kind of crashed a little bit in front of me. I was running down the line for a minute, and then that white water caught up with me. But it was a critical takeoff. It was a fun takeoff. And, um, you know, I, it was one of those things where, you know, you paddle over the shore. I just caught the, finally, you know, caught the first damn wave that I ever have at this, this spot, which I find challenging. And, uh, you know, I rode it, I don't know, 150 yards, something like that, 100 yards. And I'm paddling back, and then you see my buddy Jason look back at me, give me the fist pump, like, yeah, good job. That's a good feeling. That's something you overcame your fear. Your adrenaline was pumping. This wave's coming at you. Your skills are finally meeting your experience level. You know, that wave was arguably seven years in the making. <laughs> Every wave is seven years in the making for me. So that was on the 6-8 stretch, so I had something. So now I felt like I belong. Like, yeah, I've been surfing Rockview now for 20 minutes. I kind of got this place dialed. But um, we were talking about my board. And I said, Jason, you want to try this thing? And he said, yeah, sure. So we traded. Jason hands me um, a Lazy Boy, 6-4 Lazy Boy by Lost. Or no, maybe it's the Lazy to Fuck. Maybe it's the Lazy Toy. I'm pretty sure it's the Lazy Boy. But it's very low rocker, neutral bottom curves, small wave board. You know, but it can do heavier stuff, I think. And it's more, um, it's more of a, just a diverse all around. It's probably the board I should be on. <laughs> these late, Lost makes these domesticated series boards. They're thick. So the 6.4, I think, was 22 wide and three inches thick, something like that. Maybe two, two, two and three quarters thick. Somewhere in the 44 to 46 liter range, as opposed to my stretch, which is 42 liters. And, he said, sure. So he tossed me his board and I hopped on it. <clears throat> it has a cool cork lamination on the, on the top of the board. Um, the surface is cork. It's kind of odd. Uh, and he had some traction pads on there. But um, it's a lost product. Jason has a lot of boards. Jason is um, becoming my personal shaper. What do I mean by that? Has he shaped me any boards? No. But he recognizes what I should be surfing probably, what would progress me. He, has, he just has good advice, and he gets it all off Craigslist. <laughs> He's a Craigslist shaper. It's a new term, hashtag Craigslist shaper. Anyway, I want to have Jason come on and talk about, we've talked about, <clears throat> he's touched on the fact of getting a board custom shaped. He's gotten burned three times with getting a custom board that he did not like. However, you know, Craigslist, off the rack, you know, online, you go to Lost, Channel Islands, even Firewire, they have volume calculators. You know, they have dimensions. They list what abilities should be looking at this board. They mark it really, really well. And I know Lost and Channel Islands, I think San Clemente and um, Santa Barbara, respectively, they're made. So they're California-made, so you can feel good about that. Firewire, I don't know. It's overseas. There's enough surfboard makers in my neighborhood that I'd rather support than Firewire. But that said, they make a fine product. They really do. Anyway, so I hopped on this lazy toy or lazy boy. I should know that. And I caught the first wave I caught, first wave I went for. Here it comes. Boom, boom. A lot less paddling than my stretch. Granted, three or four more liters, a lot less paddling. I popped up. That thing shot so fast compared to my stretch for some reason. I mean, I almost lost my, my balance, you know. You, here comes the wave. You paddle. Woo, 
Woo. That's, that's, the, that's the sound of my deep strokes. Woo, woo, woo. Pop up. I probably grab the rails with my hands. I don't put my hands down like I'm doing a push-up. I do a, probably a horrible pop-up. Pop-up, quick. Get my left knee out front of me. Slow, slow pop-up compared to what you need to be doing at a place like Rockview. You don't realize how slow your pop-up is until you have to get the fuck up on your board quick in a more critical way. But I got up again. I think I stood up too fast. That's the key. Stay low. What happened was I kind of probably stood up too fast. Kind of lost my balance as I slid down the face of the wave. <clears throat> but... This board is extremely forgiving, and I found my balance, and it went, shoo. that's the sound of the board going faster than the stretch. It was a quad setup, shoo. shot down the line, and uh, I don't think I did any turns, but I did go down the line for a while, and I eventually just kind of just dove through the face of the wave, kind of punched my way out of it. I felt like I grew as a surfer. I did. <clears throat> it's a journey, man. This is my personal shortboard revolution. So, you know, 6'4", six, six, lost lazy boy, lazy toy, and 6'8", um, stretch, and I caught two out of three waves. The third one I didn't mention, I, I took the drop, but I just ate shit. I just purled right into the, the you know, the belly of the beast. But um, that was actually my first attempt to catch a wave at Rockview. But, you know, it's kind of like they say in football, you know, like quarterback, the game doesn't start until you get hit. I think it's the same thing in surfing. You got to take a nice wipe out just to wake your ass up and you realize it's not that big a deal. I'll be fine. And surfing with Jason's cool. He holds your hand the whole time. He takes you right to the spot. Hell, he's, you know, he, he, he's always got a bunch of boards in his car. He said, Jeff, you, you want to surf one of my boards? Uh, you know, and he'll get you dialed in. <laughs> Jason's a good friend to have. So that was my Rockview experience. So I came home jazzed up on it. And I mentioned this Channel Islands Weirdo Ripper. I think last we spoke, I said I was thinking about selling it. I don't think I'm going to sell it anymore. I got stoked on getting back down on a smaller board. Now, the Channel Islands Weirdo Ripper, check it out on uh, cisurfboards.com. It's for the small to medium all-around board. It's a, for that small to medium all-around board, per the description on the site, in your quiver, that Yeda Nickel created, the Weirdo Ripper. Well, I'm no Yeda Nickel, but... The Weirdo Ripper spent over a year behind the scenes in development with Kelly, Dane, Nathaniel. I don't know who Nathaniel is. And Yaden. I know who Yaden is as the, uh, based on the aforementioned introduction to him helping to create the Weirdo Ripper. Dane Reynolds won the U.S. Open on it in 2012 down in Huntington. Anyway, despite the aggressive tail rocker, the Weirdo Ripper is user-friendly. Full volume for easy paddling. And, uh, and I'm with all of that. The dimensions on this 6'2 Weirdo... It's 21 and 3 eighths wide, 2 and 3 quarters thick, 6-2 long, 40.3 liters. So when I got home, I, I had a little ding on this weirdo ripper nose, and I, I got outside and I fixed it. It's fun fixing dings. I don't, you know, it's not too comprehensive, dude. I mean, some solar seal, a lot of sanding if you want. You could take some of that volant glass, put that over it, cut a little piece, and then you do this hot coat. You let that dry in the sun, then you do more sanding. It's fun to sand your boards, though, you know. My boys are shooting hoops out front. I'm out front Sunday and or Saturday afternoon or whatever, just, uh, you know, fixing a ding in my board. It's a fun practice if you haven't done it before. <clears throat> so Sunday morning, it was, it was rainy. Um, I was jonesing to still go surfing, and I said to my wife, I'm sorry, but I have to go surfing again. You're stuck with the kids once more, um, but it is what it is. She's cool. Went surfing with my buddy Craig this time. We went way north to Waddell, and we were literally the only ones on the beach. 
partially because it was raining. It was off and on, but we found this nice tropical window where the sun shone and shone, shined. Yeah. And the water was warm and there were no waves, (laughs) but I took this weirdo ripper out. Um, there were waves that were, those sets were coming through were probably waist high. And I just, I had rock view on my mind, my experience with taking off late, you know, not doing a late drop, just taking off under the lip of the wave, you know, timing that thing. And that was all my expressed interest was, I'm just going to figure out how to time this board and catch waves. And I I didn't kill it. I'm sure it looked pretty ugly from the beach, but I'll be damned if I didn't catch five, six small ones on the inside, just kind of trying to get in that spot. You see the wave coming at you. Here's where it's going to cup. Here's where it's going to crash. And just turning on it and then whoosh, 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 three paddles, get in there, feel that boost, get that muscle memory up, but just getting that front foot under you and then taking a turn and going down the line before it crashes out. I'm doing this in waist high water, maybe chest high on the inside. I had a good time and I want to get the ripper out to rock view. We must take the ripper out to rock view. So I'm going to do that, and I'll tell you about it when it happens, if you make it this long in this podcast. Why the hell are you still listening? This is boring. There was a shark attack in Santa Cruz, um, 38th Avenue, way out there. Dude was on a paddleboard, one of those prone boards. And uh, check it out, like santacruzsentinel.com. I'm sure you could find it. Um, the shark had, a, I think, a 12, 11-inch width jaw. It chomped on that board, dude. Like the way you take a, a bite out of a, a brownie or something. Bottom, top and bottom of that board had two teeth marks. That was wild. He was outside the kelp bed. And also, sharks don't attack the kind of boards that I ride. So, no big deal here. And then finally, if you go to beachgrit.com, one of my favorite websites, there's a funny story about a blood feud between local charger Ken Collins Ken Skin Dog Collins in Santa Cruz. He'd be cool to have on this podcast. He's an outspoken, hilarious dude. Um, and let me take you to Beach Crit. I'll just read you the story. It's, it's basically around, it's apropos of the debate of can you go surfing during this shutdown? Derek Riley of Beach Crit, Beach Crit writes, um, <clears throat> Earlier, the noted big wave surfer from Santa Cruz, Ken Collins, who's 52, also known variously as Skin Dog and Skin Dizzle, a man who once received a citation for a bitch slap of two bodyboarders. That is funny. There's a video of him on Surfline at Pleasure Point. At the end of his wave, there's two boogie boarders who are about to paddle into the wave as he's going down the line, and I, I think he slaps both of them. <laughs> and they called the cops on him. Get out of here. Anyway, he gets into it on uh, Instagram with Joel Tudor. Joel Tudor is 44. He's no stranger to online blood fuels, blood feuds, Derek reminds us. He got into it with Sean Stussy. He gets into it with the world. He gets into it with Kelly Slater. He tweets out that crying is for baby girls. He's, a, a, I think, a San Diego-bred longboarder, Joel Tudor. He's a badass. But uh, he's social media, man. People get in trouble. They just can't shut up. It's got to always have their opinions out there and Anyway, so Skin Dog is of the school of thought that if the state closes the beaches, one must respect the law and not go surfing. And Joel is the opposite frame of mind. And if you could squeeze a little solo time in, sneak it in. So we begin. Joel has a stay-at-home. He has a note of some old guy in a movie screaming out, you're all going to die uh, from the inside of a, of a bubble. And he wrote, Kenny Collins, this is for you. I would have tagged you, but you blocked me, you huge, you huge wuss. To which Ken replies, 
taking a jab at me, still can't wrap my head around the justification of putting others at risk for 90 seconds of riding time at best. Also can't wrap my head around anyone that would spend their entire life riding beginner boards. <laughs> so he just poked fun of him being a longboarder. I guess longboard. I guess longboards are beginner boards. I guess unless you want to properly ride one, then, well, then you're no beginner. <clears throat> These are some items I brainstormed this morning that I uh, I wanted to record, and we're 32 minutes deep. And damn, I don't know if this episode was any good at all. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do you a favor, and and move along. 164 downloads, by the way. I want to get Eric back on. People talked about Eric and his glider. Um, yeah, people. Everybody's people are talking about it. No, no, three or four people told me that it sounded it was a good interview. I think it'd be wise to have Eric back on some more. I want to have Jason back on to talk about his quiver. Jason have, is of the frame of mind that you don't necessarily need to get something custom shaped in order to find a perfect fit. I find that pretty cool. It's kind of counter. It's counter to what surf culture is about, and people like to feel good about meeting with their shapers, at least I do, and you like to think, you know, well, this guy made this for me custom, it must be the right board. Well, unless he's really surfing with you and knows your ability, that's not necessarily the case, and I think that's the case that Jason would, would make. But we can't do these guests right now unless I do Zoom conferencing or something, because we're all sheltered in place, so does that mean I have to do a couple more solo sessions like this? I don't know. Definitely it does, actually. I hope I'm better next time. I hope you have a great day, and I really appreciate you listening. And you can check me out, let's see, Midlife Surfer Podcast on Instagram, Jeff at Midlife Surfer. My producer, Adam Montiel, tells me I need to remind people to check me out on Instagram, so do that. Adam Montiel did produce this. God bless you, Adam. In New York, I'm Millie Rock. Rock. I hide it in my sock. So I hope you all good. Have a good one. Let's talk soon. Peace. Peace. And I'm on the block. Peace. Every rock, uh, running from the cop, uh, shooting at the ops. You know what I'm saying?